Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here as we bring you Talking in Circles. Bringing you all the latest in NASCAR news. It's been a busy, busy Monday night, so let's get right to it. Busy Monday, let's get right to it. Starting with news that was released just a little bit ago. Bob Pockers had it on Twitter. Denny Hamlin actually released it on Twitter exactly eight minutes ago. Uh, and I'll read you the full statement here so we can all exactly figure out um, – the news as we get it. So, 11 years ago, I met Michael Jordan at a then Charlotte Bobcats game. We became fast friends. Not long after that, I joined a Jordan Brandon's first NASCAR athlete. Tonight, I'm excited to announce that MJ and I are starting a new single car NASCAR Cup Series team for 2021. Deciding on a driver was easy, Denny, Denny Hamlin says. That driver had to be Bubba Wallace. Bubba has shown tremendous improvement since joining the Cup Series. And we believe he's ready to take the, his career to the highest level. More details about the team will be released at a later date. But for now, I remain focused on winning the championship for the number 11 FedEx Joe Gibbs Racing Team. So uh, it's been rumored, this team's been rumored here for a little while. They have, according to Bob Pockers, they have purchased the charter from Jermaine Racing. Michael Jordan will serve as principal owner of the team and Denny as minor, minority partner as he continues to drive the number 11. A number manufacturer, official team name, sponsors all still be determined. According to the news release, release Bubba Wallace says this is a unique, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I believe is a great fit for me at my career. Uh, both Denny and, and Michael are great competitors and focused on building the best team they can possibly. I am grateful and humbled that Michael and Denny believe in me, and I'm super pumped to begin this adventure with them. That is the quote, and that is the news here. So uh, we're going to start. I'll start with Philip Matthew first, Philip. Um, Listen, I wasn't around when Joe Gibbs came and, and started this team. We've seen a lot of big-time athletes come and start a race teams. Uh, Dan Marino had a team with Bill Elliott back in the 90s. Uh, Troy Aikman and Roger Stallback had a team in the mid-2000s with Hall of Fame racing. Uh, but here's a, an, an organization that has one of the biggest superstars in sports history, starting with Michael Jordan as a minority partner. What are your thoughts? It's very early. There's still a lot to be worked out here. But uh, as it's breaking – we will discuss it. What are your thoughts on, on the Michael Jordan, Denny Hamlin, and Bubba Wallace deal, uh, Philip Matthew? Uh, it's, a big, it's a big thing for NASCAR in general to go and get one of the greatest athletes of all time to believe in what they're doing in the product. I mean, Michael Jordan, you go back, there's pictures of him back in his North Carolina days hanging out with Mr. The King, and he looked up to Mr. The King, amongst other people, just like Brad Doherty, which I think is part of the reason why Big Brad is still around in this sport. He owns a team. But <clears throat> no offense to Brad, he's become a really good announcer and all, and he, he's providing two cars to this sport with the Jeschecter, the, the family there. But Michael Jordan coming into NASCAR in a time, in such a crazy time uh, in our in our world, 
uh, it says a lot. It also speaks to the kind of pull seemingly that Denny has with him and that, you know, he's trying to deal with that Michael's trying to figure out a way to make his NBA team relevant. And they've struggled mightily with that, but he's also sitting there and he's like, I want to make this investment. They bought the Jermaine charter. So it's not a bad charter. It's a middle of the road one. So at least they're not completely up against it. I figure they're going to probably connect with Gaunt over time. I know we'll probably be talking about it as we get through the rest of the season, but I figure they'll basically be a two-car team. And, you know, I've Brockshot Jones, that's the rumor has been that he's going to be coming up, and that would be the two-car team, and they would basically be the, the Gibbs B squad of sorts. Um, for Bubba Wallace, for all this stuff and for whatever you want to think of, everybody, he's, he's a polarizing figure for many reasons. Uh, but he said it on Door Bumper Clear that this opportunity is basically he gets to – he'll be able to prove one way or the other. If he can't drive or do it in this equipment, then I'll go and walk away and disappear, and there will be a lot of happy boomers and all that that, that he walks away. But he believes in his own talent, and I figure they're going to get good people. He, I would assume that Baxter would be coming with him. Uh, and if that's the case, then they'll have a good foundation to start with. I mean, it's a new team, so they're going to have struggles early in the year. But they're going to have money, and they're going to be able to find funding because of Michael. And, uh, you know, Denny has been solid in his career. You know, FedEx has been with him for 15 plus years, you know, so he, and he's won, all, he's won all these races now, and he might win a championship, so it's a big deal to get one of the greatest athletes of all time, Yeah. to want to invest in a time where NASCAR is contracting, and they're losing owners, and they're losing, and they need to get younger in terms of ownership, and he's still a very young man, and he's got plenty of years, and it's, I think it's a great thing, honestly, for this sport that somebody of his stature wants to come in at this time. Agreed. And, and I want to just touch on one thing you said, a couple of things you said. One, you mentioned that there was rumors it was a multi-cooperation. Then he came out and said on Twitter that it's a solo cooperation as of this moment. And I think you're right when you say that this team could struggle early on. Uh, you know, obviously, it's a, they're going to have some growing pains. I would I would. Think Jerry Baxter, who's got a really close relationship with Bubba Wallace, made a jump to the Cup Series with Bubba Wallace this year, would go to that team as well. Uh, but that's still in the very early stages. But it is going to be a solo cooperation. I just want to read quick. Basically, they bought the charter from Jermaine Racing, and Jermaine Racing, Bob Jermaine, announces the sale of the team charter. Jermaine Racing will continue to compete with Ty Dillon and the number 13 Geico Chevrolet in the final seven races before saying – Farewell at the conclusion of the 2020 NASCAR Cup Series season. Spencer Cowan, I want to get your take on this. What do you think about this? This is a, a new team coming, uh, a team that's going to be affiliated with Toyota. Michael Jordan is a majority owner. Denny Hamlin is a minority owner. Uh, Bubba Wallace is going to be the driver getting Jermaine Racing's charter. They're shutting down. Uh, what, do you, what do you have to make about the news we just heard tonight? Yeah, I mean, we. I don't know when this rumor was speculating i don't know what a couple of weeks this whole thing came out maybe a month ago not quite sure but um you know like philip mentioned door bumper clear they asked bubba hey have you talked to him he to mj and he said no so he um this is something that 
Um, not unless he was just fibbing. Um, but, um, you know, his spotter that he has currently right now was sitting right there and he goes, no, I haven't talked to him. So, uh, maybe this is something that MJ and Denny obviously knew they were going to do. And, um, you know, they wanted to go with Bubba Wallace who has, um, he does have talent. Um, you know, he, he, and what's cool about it, he was with Toyota, you know, in the truck days with KBM and won, I believe six races over there. And, um, so he's finding himself back at Toyota. So Toyota obviously likes him, or you know they're not gonna support somebody that they don't think can get it done. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, huge for the sport. It brings in another car. Um, you know, new potential sponsors. I'm sure the Jordan brand will be on it um, through the and through the season. And Bubba brings in a lot of new sponsors that are probably gonna go with him. You know, you got Cash App, you got uh, DoorDash. Those are newer sponsors. Columbia. Um, so they will probably go with Bubba Wallace. So it's, it's good. You know, the, the sport can't run without sponsors. So, um, yeah, you know, with them joining with Toyota, I'm sure they're going to have, you know, with Denny being so loyal to Toyota and Gibbs, um, you know, as you guys both agreed on, they probably will have some early season, uh, hiccups. Um, you know, you can't start something and just be dominant. You know, it's it's rare. You know what I'm saying? You can, uh, you have to. It's trial and error. You have to find your combinations. You have to work together, um, and everything has to click. <clears throat> so, like I, when my buddy sent me a screenshot and said it's official, I I think it's awesome. Um, you know, whether you just the deal itself, whether they went with Bubba Wallace, um, you know, even if they didn't go with him, I still think it's a it's it's very cool to have uh, you know a basketball guy that is worth tons and tons and tons of money um and he can afford to dump up front cost out of his pocket and get um i think it's um very um it's inter- it's going to be interesting to see um how those two um and they could go out and they can be dominant because bubba wallace if he's in good equipment he can get it done so um very cool good for the sport and so yeah it, it's great listen michael jordan to me there is no bigger superstar when i was a kid growing up i mean Michael was in his prime winning championships with the Chicago Bulls. I know Philip was probably that, in the same age uh, that I was. So adding Michael Jordan to, the, to this is unbelievable. But uh, let's keep in mind, you know, I, I want to touch on something Philip said, and I do agree. I think there will be growing pains in year one, and I think people might even look at Bubba Wallace in year one and say, well, if he had an opportunity to go to an established team like Ganassi or even Hendrick, he's probably going to regret this move. And, and so, you know, to me, it's going to take more than a year. And I think Bubba – had the foresight to kind of look and say, this could be something that I'm going to have not only next year, but the year after that, the year after that, when you got the new car coming and every, everything sort of levels the playing field here, uh, it certainly looks like that is, that's what it's going to be. Now there's a lot, and we're going to dive into this a lot more um, as the news trickles out more as the silly season continues, when they get a number, when they get a spot, when they announce their sponsors, when they announce their crew chief, um, and we can kind of, you know, figure out expectations from there, but certainly a, a good thing if you're a uh, a racing fan because you know it, it's a it's a new team coming in now. Unfortunately, Philip, in this day and age with a charter, what people I think for, fail to realize with these charters is, in order to get one, you're probably going to have to have a team leave, and that team is Jermaine Racing. Now, Jermaine Racing's been in NASCAR for 16 years. You know, they won two truck series championships with Todd Bodine in 06 and 2010. 
Um, and in the last 12 seasons, they've been in the Cup Series. Haven't had as much success in the Cup Series as, you know, they've, they've kind of wanted. They, they had Max Pappas there for a while. Um, then they got Casey Mears, had him for a while, and then they've had Ty Dillon in the last few years. Um, what are your thoughts on Jermaine Racing closing down? You know, as great as it is that Bubba, Wa- that Bubba Wallace and, and Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan were able to make this, this uh, deal come together, it's unfortunate that it comes at an expense of a team like Jermaine Racing. What are your thoughts on that? It's a shame to lose teams. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum here over the time that uh, we've all three of us have been together on the show. And, you know, it started with uh, this exodus has really started with Barney Visser after winning a championship. And then literally a year, just a year later, he's out of business. Then now we have Bob, we have um, Bob Levine is going out of business and he sold out to Spire. Um, Spire bought the other uh, bought Furniture Rose Charter. Now you have Denny Hamlin who they're making concessions for for him to be a minority owner while he's competing for a four car team uh, because they need a new investments in in this sport. Uh, they the and Bob Germain. That family, they were great in the truck series. They won with uh, Hillman, Mike Hillman, uh, and Mike Hillman Jr. They won with Todd Bodine in the 30 car, 30 truck, and they did great things over there. And they even ran well in Xfinity. Uh, I think Walt, Mike Wallace, before he became a, a loon, uh, drove for them and a couple other people, but... You know, like they had good drivers in the truck series, they had competitive trucks, but ever since they came to the Cup Series, they've never really been all that great. Geico has been super loyal to them, and NASCAR utilized that loyalty as a way to go and angle to get them as one of their premier partners or whatever they're calling it. And in turn, they've utilized that to basically say, well, instead of running 25th every week, you know, 25th to 30th every week, We'd rather just be a premier partner and run our commercial 100 times a race, and we're just not going to support a car. And in turn, that leaves uh, one of the uh, independent owners uh, without an an option this late in the going, especially in a year like 2020 has been. But, um, I mean, when you consider the performance and you consider what they've been for so long, it's not surprising that they're leaving uh, the cost basis for this sport is out of control. It's why Michael Jordan can come in because he's a billionaire and and why, you know, mom and pop teams can't afford to run decent in, in this sport. And it's always been the case, but it's more the haves and have-nots have definitely separated, and they're hoping the new car will bring that back, but I strongly doubt it. Um, it's a shame but um, it's it's not surprising in our current time based on performance, right. based on where they've been. And in case you missed it and you missed the news that, that we're discussing here, uh, so it has been officially announced and it's been rumored for a few weeks now that Denny Hamlin would buy uh, Jermaine Racing. It, there was talk it was going to be the number 96 car they were going to buy and sort of merge with them, but right now it is that Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan have teamed up to buy the charter for Jermaine Racing's number 13 car, um, and they're going to hire driver Bubba Wallace. Now, um, Michael Jordan obviously is an NBA legend. 
probably the greatest basketball player to ever live, Denny Hamlin, of course, drives the 11 car. It's not going to affect anything on the Denny Hamlin side of things. It's going to be a solo cooperation with Bubba Wallace behind the wheel. That's all we know right now, and that Jermaine Racing has uh, is announced they're selling their team in the final seven races of the year. They were going to run the final seven ra- They're going to run the final seven races of the year, but uh, Jermaine Racing is um, closing down at the end of the final seven races of the year. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's number call if you want to discuss anything here tonight on Talking Circles. Um, Spencer, what are your thoughts on on final thoughts on this whole deal? I mean, still a lot to figure out as far as what's going on. And, and uh, but how about your main race? I mean, this is a team that's been around a while, and, and I've said this before. You know, I, I did a little bit of a piece on it when it was talked that Jermaine Racing was going to sell. Eventually, you have to get better. I think they really tried to get better here. It hasn't worked with Ty Dillon, and it hasn't worked with Matt Borland over there as a crew chief. Um, and in the association they've had with racing, they haven't improved much. So that's unfortunate. But what are your thoughts on Jermaine Racing shutting down um, here before we move on? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it stinks, but you know we've seen you know LFR, you know, and Jermaine. They're this, they're around the same size team. Um, you know, you probably rate them at a um you know where they got good you know they got decent stuff but they're just not there and philip philip mentioned it the best it's so much money to run these um race teams and you know you got you got the Stort Haases and the Hendricks and the gibbs and the roushes all them teams that have just bukus and bukus of money got tons of sponsorship lots of funding from their manufacturers it you're it's bound to run these little guys out of the sport, um, just because they they can't keep up, um, you know it's and that's not for NASCAR that's in any type of business you know you you know you see this with gas stations Wawa pops up on the corner and the little Sunoco goes out of business because they can't keep up you've got these big corporations. Um, that come in and take over. And that's just how it is. You know, Walmart's taking the mom and pop shops out of business. Um, you know, it's not just NASCAR. And then unfortunately that's how business works. So, um, you know, it's been a hell of a run with Jermaine. I, they've been in the sport forever. Um, you know, as long as I can remember with Casey Mears and that team really only had a shot at, you know, they ran really well at super speedways. Casey Mears was always seemed to be right up there around the front. Um, Ty has been close. He's been up front at those races, but you have to be better at other races in this four years. So, um, it's been a good run. Um, you know, they were, you know, they kept Geico in the sport for a very long time. So, um, you know, it's the, at the end of the year, they're going to announce that they're see, they're going to cease operations and sell the team. So, um, you know, that just is another silly season where Ty Dillon's going to go. So, yeah, and and that's the speculation is wild. There, it's it's just getting sillier and sillier as the night goes on, as far as silly season is concerned. But if you missed it again, before we move on, because there was other news that we want to get to today. But Bubba Wallace going to move to a team owned by Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin. Michael Jordan's going to be the majority owner. Denny Hamlin's going to be the minority owner. They purchased the charter from Jermaine Racing. Jermaine Racing is going to close down at the end of the year. Uh, so that that's what the news is, and we've discussed that. A little bit here on Talking in Circles. 917-889-8280, that's number call. Other news of the day, and I'll start it with Spencer since it's his guy. Um, Ross Chastain officially named the driver the number 42 car in 2021. Uh, it's going to be, obviously, Chip Ganassi Racing. There's 
some partners there, I'm sure, that, that he's going to be with. But uh, what are your thoughts when you originally read it? I mean, Ross has been with Chip Ganassi for a while here. He finally gets his, his opportunity to drive that 42 car. What are your thoughts on Ross moving to the Cup Series next year? It's uh, it's going to – well, knowing that, you know, I'm a big Larson fan, big Ross fan, and to have my, you know, second favorite driver take over the ride that, um, you know, the guy that I pulled for, you know, and watched, even because you guys know I'm a big Dale fan. So when he retired, I fully moved over to Larson. So I've watched and pulled for Larson for, um, I don't know how many years that is, four, five, really have watched him. And then, you know, to have Ross take over that ride, um, it's not it's, it's not all the time you have your other driver, you know, take over the ride of your other favorite driver. So, um, you know, the, everybody was speculating this earlier in the year, and then it kind of faded away a little bit that, you know, Spire had something up their sleeve. Thank God, no offense to Spire. That would have been a miserable year to watch Ross run in the back of the pack. Um, but, yeah, I think it's great. I, you know, I listened to your Clayton in the car wherever you did it at. Um, I think his talent, he's ready. Um, but, you know, as he mentioned in an interview with uh, Bob Pockers, that he has a lot to learn. Um, you know, he says at the end of uh, the championship race at Phoenix, whether we win or lose, I'm going to be at the racetrack and I'm going to watch the team and get data. And just and he goes, that's one day of practice, visual practice that I get um, with Matt Kenseth behind the wheel. So he's already looking forward to it. But, um, you know, his eyes are set on the Xfinity where he's ran great. Um, I think, you know, in the past two months, two and a half months, um, you know, he hasn't won yet. I think he will win. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, he was dominant in the trucks, um, you know, last year and a year and a half ago when he was in Nice. So, I mean, I think he knows how to win. He knows how to get it done. You know, we still don't know the crew chief or anything like that. So, I'm excited. Um, I can still wear all my 42 gear I got hanging in my closet. And uh, Daytona can't come fast enough. For sure. Uh, how about you, Philip? I mean, again, I did a little bit of a piece on this earlier in the day where I felt like, you know, Ross is ready. I think he's really performed well in the Xfinity car, especially as the Blake. Uh, he hasn't done everything but win. I think we all kind of, you know, you mentioned the first year growing pains for Bubba Wallace next year. I think Ross was sort of going through that early in the year with the 10 car, and I think he's been a lot better. And he certainly is an outside chance at winning this championship, but they got to improve a lot. But what are your thoughts on Ross Chastain? Do you think this is a good hire? Obviously, Eric Jones is still out there. We're not sure exactly what he's going to do next year. Uh, there's also other guys, other options they could have gone with. What are your thoughts on hiring Ross Chastain for that 42 car? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of Spencer and how happy he was. That was one thing I thought of. But then I also thought about the fact that Ganassi has always had they were supposed to be together a couple of years ago running an Xfinity program and the sponsor fell through, of course, because they were sketchy. And I think from that point on, Ganassi knew he put him in that 42 car Darlington and he drove door to door with Kevin Harvick and could have won that race wrecked and whatever. And from that moment on, Ross Castain's the uh, stock went up exponentially. He had been a nice driver. He'd driven for Brad Keselowski and in the trucks, and he'd driven for JD for for many years. But his performances in that Xfinity car 
with the guy that used to be there, um, who who was doing great work there with Mike Shiplett, um, was was proof that he can perform. And the fact is now, over these last year or two, he ran in the Nice. He's literally the only person that's driven a Nice vehicle and has actually really looked good. I mean, granted, last year, I think, with the GMS equipment, him and uh, uh, the guy they just got rid of, uh, Ty Majeski, they were both running pretty good. But, of course, Chastain was competing for a championship, winning races with Phil Gould. Uh, and then now this year, they're just basically a PR stunt uh, on wheels. And so and now he's running for, for a colleague, which is one of the only owners that's left right now that actually trying to invest in this sport. And they've had a, they have some growing pains at the start of the year. Of course, failing to qualify at Daytona was huge. It was a big problem. Uh, but they got into another car. They ran. In the end, they've been able to accumulate points, and they're third in points. And they're in a good position going into this playoff run. Um, they're not at the level of the uh, Briscoe, Sindrick, and Justin Allgaier because they have multiple wins. But there's four cars have to make it to Phoenix. He definitely is a favorite amongst the rest of that group to go and make it to Phoenix. Uh, he keeps his, his clean. But in terms of the 42, I think people thought, we thought that he was going to get the ride earlier this year. Um, I guess colleague had him on an ironclad contract where he could he had to run Xfinity. Um, considering how bad the 42 has been all year, uh, since the the replacement happened, uh, it probably was a good thing for Ross that he didn't drive it and that they'll start fresh and that in 2021, uh, who knows who his crew chief will be. But I think the starting 2021, he'll be in a good place. Kurt Busch is a great teammate, a uh, great teacher. He's mellowed out. Um, I think it's a great combination that Ganassi has there for um, the future. Uh, the, this is the start of the future. It kind of shows that Ganassi wants to stay, or at least it seems like he wants to stay because he's investing in a guy that he's believed in and has been showing potential. So we'll see what happens with that, with Ross Chastain, but it's a great thing. For sure. I tell you, uh, I love the loyalty that, that um, Chip Ganassi showed. And I talked about it earlier, and I want to make something clear. I kind of – I wouldn't say destroyed – Chip Ganassi racing, but I sort of, uh, you know, questioned their move to put Matt Kenseth in the car over Ross Chastain this year in the 42 car after Kyle Larson uh, left that ride. And, and really it came out today and they basically said that, you know, due to Ross's commitment to the Xfinity series, they could not move him to the Cup series even points-wise because his sponsors wanted to run for the championship um, in the Xfinity series. So um, that makes a little bit more sense. I figured it was something to that nature, and, you know, um, that's why Ross wasn't in the 42 car. It still would have been nice to have him if I was, you know, uh, Ganassi. If I could have made it happen, I would have because you could have said, well, we're going to chalk 2020 up to sort of, you know, uh, a year where we want to run good, but we don't have to get him situated in that seat, see how he worked with the crew chief, and then, you know, made your decision from there. But, um, you know, you're going to start fresh in 2021. So we'll see what happens with Chastain, but uh, certainly a great hire. There's no question about that. Um, another interesting little note that came out today 
Philip, that I want to get your opinion on first here because you're much more familiar with this place and much more familiar with, um, you know, other forms of racing other than NASCAR than I am, and maybe even Spencer. Uh, but was it announced today that that it's not well it's been reported on that um, NASCAR will move the All Star race away from Charlotte Motor Speedway? Remember, it was at Bristol this year, and everybody gave Bristol. And this is this is what cracks me up. Everybody sat there kissing NASCAR's rear end, kissing SMI's rear end, saying, "Oh, late move, moving the uh, All Star race to Bristol Motor Speedway. Awesome to see. So glad to see it. Awesome. Great job. Yeah." Well, they did that because of COVID-19, and then next year they announced to top it off, to make the All-Star Race even better, they're going to move to Texas Motor Speedway next year, and then they're going to have a cup points race, it sounds like, at the Circuit of the Americas, Circuit of the Americas. north of Austin, yeah. Texas. Yeah, Circuit of the Americas in, in Austin, Texas. Um, you know, that's more of an uh, of a track. It's Formula One's run there, IndyCar's run there, uh, IMSA's run there. A lot of different racing at that racetrack over, over the weekend, over the over there. Lifetime, I think the track was built officially in 2012. Um, but it's certainly interesting. Uh, I hate, and, and I'll talk on it a little bit. I'll let you go on, Philip, then I'll really give my opinion. I hate with a capital H-A-T, underlined, exclamation points, exclamation points, underlined, underlined, bold, italicized, whatever you want to put it, hate the All-Star Race at Texas Motor Speedway. But uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on the news about moving the All-Star Race to Texas and then getting a cup race at uh, the Circuit of the Americas. They should fill Texas Motor Speedway with water and put tons of fish in there. I'm taking <laughs> Kyle Petty's line from Darlington. He used to joke around about that, that they should fill it with water and they should run the have the Bassmasters. I, I, lo- I mean, I'm a Kyle, I'm a Kyle Petty. These guys, everything about it's, it's good to me. This, they should fill that place with water, hold the Bassmasters Classic there every year for eternity and send Eddie Gossage out to go and, and work on a farm. That's what they should do at Texas Motor Speedway. They shouldn't hold motorsports events in that dump ever again. That's what they should do with that. The all they want to kill the All Star race. That's basically what it is. They're gonna move the the Bush Clash to the Roval, the road course at Daytona which is going to be interesting because they don't have lights on the car, so that'll be something they're going to run at night, or maybe they'll just run it in the middle of the day uh, with qualifying or something. Who knows? I, it, that, that's one thing. Then, then they're going to run this crappy race, which nobody's going to watch and nobody's going to care about uh, because Texas and Speedway is one of the worst racetracks that's ever been made in the, in the history of the planet. Um, it's, it's akin to most tilky drone Formula One tracks. Uh, how big of a dump it's been and how many there's never, if you could tell me there's been a good race there, that would be the first one. I mean, there's been a couple of IRL kind of pack race specials that happened. Graham Rahal won a race, but almost lost it because he was celebrating too early. Like the only races that I say are good are ones that Tony Stewart won, but then that's personal bias. You know, like there was like one battle with Matt Kenseth and, and Jeff Burton when he wasn't screaming on a, on a microphone. Um, and his wife probably is freaking out because that's all she seems to do. And they have to show her for no, for some reason. The the fact is that's a waste. Who cares? Uh, I'm more, um, I'm, I'm surprised and, but I'm also pleased that they're removing a points race from that crap hole 
probably they're going to keep the playoff race there and they're going to move the 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 spring race would go to Dakota based on rumors I've seen there's a possibility based on certain connections that it might be a doubleheader opportunity uh, with the IndyCar series. Um, running the full course, it's going to be definitely a challenge. It's a very challenging racetrack. There are passing zones. It's going to be hard breaking. There are going to be a lot of failures there at Coda because it's going to ask a lot of these race cars. There's going to be a lot of brake failures. I'm sure bad year won't be able to make a good tire. Um, it'll be a challenge, and that's what you want. Um, Clyde will probably win, which is good for the narrative and good for the sport because he's become the new road course king. Uh, but I, as long anything that involves Texas, not Texas Motor Speedway, having less to do with anything is fine by me. I know road courses. I know for you, Clayton, you're not. A road course fan. I love Coda um, because of there's multiple reasons, but it's just a challenging racetrack. It's an insane racetrack, and it, the there's every aspect of the course has some connection to other famous racetracks all over the world. Um, some of the corners that they have there, watching a Cup car having to basically be a, going and making three and a half G's in a turn. That's going to be a real interesting um, challenge. Of course, NASCAR would have to learn what a local yellow is. Um, they don't know what that is. And they'll probably let drivers oil down the whole entire track. So half the race will be under yellow. But that's beside the point. Um, that's I'm, I'm glad that uh, CODA is on the schedule uh, next year and the possibilities that might come with that um, and that Texas has one less motor speedway has one less race. Well, it it doesn't have one less race though, Philip. That's the thing. It's got two races, but one less points race. You know, uh, yeah. Texas is you know Texas is still gonna have two races next year with the All Star race. And and what well, you touched on first, and I, and I don't know the the circuits of the America, the circuit of the Americas like you do. I'm glad you kind of led us into that insight because I, I have no idea what what the even track even looks like. I'm glad. I hope it's going to be. If it's hard on equipment, I like that. I'm curious to see if they if there was a way to, to shorten the course. If they're going to try and do that, I would love to see local yellows because it is asinine that they don't do that in NASCAR. But whatever. Um, but you know, the whole thing you touched on earlier is, is they're trying to kill the All Star race. Listen, that's what drove me crazy because I knew something was going to happen with this All Star race uh, going to Bristol. Should have been at Bristol. Should still be at Bristol. I know it wasn't a great race this year, but it's just, it should still be at Bristol. And um, at a short track, and and bringing it to Texas, which since the configuration, it's been a god awful racetrack. I didn't mind the first, you know, configuration of it. I thought it was very very good, but since they reconfigured it, I mean, oh my goodness, it's been horrible, and it's just gonna be another disastrous weekend. I'm curious to see when it's gonna be placed on the schedule. But what are your thoughts, Spencer? I know, um, you know, we've kind of at least I I've kind of destroyed the, the moving it moving the All Star race to Texas. But is there something you like? about moving the All-Star Race to Texas, or is there something you like about adding another road course to the schedule? Now we're going to have, it sounds like, somewhere upwards of five to six road courses on the Cup Series schedule next year, uh, depending on, you know, a few other ones that might be added. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you destroyed it all right, that's for sure. Um, 
Oh, man. I, first off, I'm at enough, ro- enough road course races um, in the NASCAR Cup Series, that's for sure. No more. Um, I, I'm just a big believer of keeping those main three. Um, you know, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, which I love Watkins Glen. I think it produces great racing. There's been good battles in the past. And then the Roval. Um, I don't mind the Roval. I think that's okay. Um, but the, you can only add so many road courses to a sport when you think of NASCAR. I don't think of road course racing. I just don't. I can understand, hey, let's switch up the clash. It's fun. Let's run it on the road course. Fine. Fine by me. So what? And then you keep adding these road courses. Mind you, I think it's good racing. Great. I understand NASCAR is big believers. Hey, it's great racing. We're going to sell tickets. Yeah, well, you, I understand where NASCAR is coming from. It's a business. I mean, everything's a business. Um, but I don't know. It's just more road courses. I when I. I I don't know. It, road coursing is for IMSA. It's for IndyCar. It's for uh, the Supercars or whatever that series is that Penske runs and his guy wins, I don't know, 12 races a year. That is road course. NASCAR, keep your three or four and don't add no more. Um, as far as the all-star race getting moved, you know, I can understand where they're going with it. Hey, let's have it in a different spot every year, kind of like the MLB, kind of like the Pro Bowl with um, football. You know, but Texas, I think they could have done way better than Texas. Um, but, yeah, so it's going to – we'll just have to see. I thought they should have kept it at Bristol um, just because Bristol is – Bristol is a hell of a racetrack to run. It produces great racing sometimes, not always the best. Um, I think this race that we just had could have been a little bit better. But still, um, I think I would agree with you about keeping it at Bristol. Um, but, yeah, going to Texas, um, I'd like to – know the guy who made that decision or, um, you know, who had the big part of that because they could have did a way better job. So, all-star race at Texas, another road course. That's what I think of it. Yeah, and and another thing I'm curious about is just, you know, it's a far trip for these teams to go out to, to Texas Motor Speedway and just, you know, run there. Now, maybe they're going to do a CODA with you know a weekday race on a Wednesday night at at the at the Circuit of the Americas, and then go on a Sunday night or vice versa, or Wednesday go to Texas, and then go to, on a Sunday to the Circuits of America and run there. And this way, it's one trip, and they could bring two cars, two different race cars, et cetera, et cetera. And they're not totally killing the race team's pockets. I think that's something that's that's certainly uh, you know that w- would work. But you know. Part of what made the All-Star Race great at Charlotte was the teams could be there, their families were there, and all that kind of stuff, and now we're not going to have that. And I think fans and, and, and people alike could swallow a little bit more if it's at a good place like Bristol, a good short track like Bristol. Um, and that's not the case here at Texas Motor Speedway. Part of the problem at Bristol, in my opinion, this week, this year, the All-Star Race was just a format, and that's something when we run more races there, it would have been a lot better. So uh, at the end of the day, I think it's it's frustrating because um, Texas is such a tough racetrack, and you know the All Star Race hasn't been great, and so um, moving into Texas is not going to help it at all, in my opinion. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. That's another call. Uh, 
on Talking in Circles. Um, let's break down the weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway, starting with the Cup Series event. And we talked about Bristol, about the All-Star Race, so let's talk about the Cup Series event. The Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race, Kevin Harvick went to victory lane. Kyle Busch finished second, a pretty epic battle there with Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick at the end of that race. Um, a race that, you know, Kyle Busch was very, very vocal about lap cars at the end of that race. You know, as funny as TV interview was sort of mild-mannered, and you said, wow, Kyle, showed, showing some, a little bit of maturity. That's kind of different for Kyle. And then he destroys Joey Logano, destroys uh, Joey Gase and Garrett Smithley, destroys his own race team, and the process race zooms press conference. You're like, oh, my goodness, Kyle Busch is back. But uh, a solid second-place run for him. But Kevin Harvick, I'll tell you what, this team, whenever they need to step up and perform, Philip Matthew, that certainly is what they do. I mean, we've got seven races to go in a year. He's got nine wins. Uh, what a season so far for Kevin Harvick, and it just keeps he keeps on keeping on, holding off Kyle Busch at the end of that race. Yeah, I didn't think I, I didn't think that Harvick was going to be able to hold Kyle Busch off. He was already angry, you know, driving around, getting sent to the back because of whatever penalties for for pre-race inspection. And then he gets all the way up to the front. That car is a rocket. It's the best car that Kyle Busch has had all year. It's probably one of the best cars he's had in a year and and a half or whatever. It's because he's won one race in 51. Is He has one in 51 races, and even that one was borderline lucky. Uh, but he was there. He made Harvick work for it. Harvick was loose, loose on exit, loose on entry. Uh, but they had a great battle, and it's two of the best drivers that we've had uh, in this era battling for a win in one of the bigger races that exist, the Bristol Night Race. Um, yeah, Kyle going off script and losing his mind on Garrett Smithley. I mean, we already know he hates him from last year at Vegas. Um, Joey Gase. Is, is awful and he's been awful for a long time, but the, he was definitely an issue all night. They parked Brad and they said he wasn't maintaining minimum speed when he lost his power steering. And then I said to myself, well, if they're going to park Brad, um, then they need to start parking all of the Rick Ware racing cars because they're all in the way. Um, I mean, James Davison was the only Rick Ware car that wasn't a complete um, waste. Well, I, I I shouldn't really. Yeah, he was kind of a waste, and then he ended up hitting the fence anyway. Like JJ Haley was in the way. The fifteen or in the fifteen, the seventy-seven went to the garage because it had problems. Uh, then you had you had you know Joey Gase being Joey Gase, Garrett Smithley being Garrett Smithley driving for BJ McQuad randomly. Uh, I mean. I get it. There, there's a, there's an etiquette, and then there's definitely a pace issue for certain teams because they're not running on fresh tires and stuff like that. But you would swear that some of these drivers don't know how to use a mirror, um, and it affects the races. It, it happened on Thursday night. It happened on Friday night. Uh, definitely affected Kyle Busch. But it's like Kyle Busch could have done what everybody else did, like like go and dump him out of the way, and he just jacked up his front nose. I mean, what's the difference? He, he could have went and dumped Garrett, Garrett Smithley. 
he tried to do it at Las Vegas last year, go and finish a job, you know, go and, go and dump Joey Gase. I mean, what's the difference? They're not going to go and try to fight him because he's going to have a bunch of heavies go and do it. But Kevin Harvick is having a year that's similar to Jeff Gordon in 1998. Um, my fear is that he's going to keep on keeping up this pace and get to Phoenix and then it's all not going to matter because he's either going to get wrecked or something stupid's going to happen and he's going to win like 10 races and he won't have anything to show for it. That's my fear because of this championship format. Yeah, in this championship format, it is interesting as far as what you mentioned because it, it more it's more for entertainment than it is to reward greatness. Um, and, you know, Kevin Harvick's been tremendous and you know, it, it'll be a hugely disappointing season if Harvick doesn't win a championship because he's been that much better, even better than Denny Hamlin. And Hamlin's been, I think, the guy number two as far as speed is concerned and wins are concerned. He's been number two by far. Um, but, you know, Harvick's even been better than that. But, you know, something interesting about the uh, Joey Gase deal and something that I kind of want to kick around here maybe and, and get Spencer's opinion on it, and then we can move on to other points of this race. But, you know, you're right. Joey Gase, Philip, Joey Gase, and I'm not trying to pick on Joey Gase here, but he was in the way most of the night. I mean, it felt like every 10 laps you would look at the leaders there laughing at him. He finished 37 laps down, and he didn't have any issues. 37 laps down, he, fin- he only completed 364 to 500 laps. 37 laps down, um, it, it's almost impossible to do that. It, and to me, it should get to a point in NASCAR where these leader, these guys who are that slow should not affect this race. And I don't know if there's a rule you could put in that might be a little bit complicated, but like if you're more laps down than the laps remaining, uh, you should pull it in. But that, you know, it, unless there's 10 or, lap, 10 or less laps to go. So this way, you know, if you're 11 laps down, 11 to go, um, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can stay out there on, that's at least on short tracks and, and maybe keep that up. Uh, to five laps on a mile and a half tracks. I don't really know, but, you know, it just felt like they were getting in the way more often on Sunday. And, and I think it's partially to do with, with there's a lot more of those cars. You know, the, the middle of the pack is sort of gone right now. There, there's a very few in the middle of the pack. You've got the cars that run really, really good. Then you've got the cars that run really, really bad. And there used to be some cars in the middle, and that middle of the pack is about a handful of race teams right now. So, um, you know, that, and you could say that's a good thing, but there's much, there's a lot also a lot more teams that struggle towards the back end of the field so um, I think that's a that's a that's a huge thing but um, you know what are your thoughts Spencer on Kevin Harvick's year so far and Kyle Busch's year I mean this was Kyle Busch's best chance to win a race he's won a race the last 15 seasons uh, do you think his frustration was justified and what do you think about Harvick's run at the end there uh, at Bristol? I mean, the last 50 laps was great. I mean, that short track racing, I mean, they um, they were, I mean, they would pull up to each other. I mean, Bush got around. Lap traffic came into play for that race for sure. Um, but Harvick is, those those damn four cars, they're fast. They are, they're, they're very, very good. Um, and, yes, Harvick is behind the wheel, and he's a hell of a race car driver. He's a future Hall of Famer. Um you know, this is like his 2018 year um, where he won, what, seven races? So, um, and I can't remember what he won last year, but, 
in the past three years, he has won like a lot and a lot of races. Some some drivers don't win those their whole career. You know, that just goes to tell you something. Um, so he's having one heck of a year, dominant. Like you said, it would be a shame for that team to go to, I almost said Homestead, go to Phoenix and not be able to hoist that trophy on the stage at the front stretch um, just for how good it's been. I mean, you just held off one of the best um, drivers there is that maybe ever in NASCAR in this modern era. Um, you know, even all time, really. I mean, Kyle Busch is that good, and Bristol is playground for the Bush boys. So um, for him to beat him and um, like that, he was pumped. You know, I haven't seen Harvick that pumped after winning a race in a long time. I haven't seen anybody that pumped after winning a race in a long time. Harvick was pumped. Um, he was screaming, yelling, hoisting his hands. Um, so, yeah, and then as far as Bush's season, quite honestly, um, I'd like to just see him not win a race this year. And that has nothing to do with him or anything. It would just kind of be like, um, you know, wow. You know, that, that's something you would remember. Kyle Busch didn't win a race um, in 2020. So, you know, that would just add on to the even crazier things that this this year has brought everybody in the world. So um, it would be kind of interesting to see him not win a race. And then, so, uh, he was close last night, or whenever it was, Saturday night. He was very, very close. Um, but lap traffic came into play, and you're going to have that. And to touch on them slow cars real quick, you know, Bristol, you only do 130, 133, 134, 135 into, you know, the turn. That is sad that a Rick Ware car is still 30-something laps down at the end of the race. And you, it's short track racing. You do not have to have the best car. It's pretty sad that you can't maintain speed at a track that runs 130. Because I got news for you. The Rick Ware cars, they still run over 130 mile an hour at any other racetrack we go to. If you go to Bristol and you can't do that, you're still that slow, eh, that's that's uh, that's pretty alarming. That's bad. So, um, yeah, But you're going to have that anywhere you go. So Especially Bristol because it's so small and you're in a, you're in a dog cage. So, um, unfortunate. Right. It kind of costs you know, Kyle Bush to win, but I mean, you're going against Harvick too. So it's, uh, you're, it's going to, you're going to have to drive your ass off to beat the four car this year. Yeah. And he got the lead because of a, of a lap car too, Kyle from Harvick. So let's not forget that, but going a little bit more deeper in the field, the solid run for Eric Jones, he finished third, Tyler Reddick fourth. Those are the best of the non chasers. Uh, Eric Amarola, a quiet night again. He seems to do this a lot, a fifth place run, Clint Boyer sixth. Those were all the cars on the lead lap, the top six. The rest of the cars were one lap down or more. Uh, Chase Elliott, seventh. Chris Buescher, eighth. Ryan Priest, his first top ten of the year. And ninth, and Michael McDowell, another solid run in tenth. Uh, he was first car two laps down. Really, this race sort of got, got turned over on its side here, Phillip, um, when a caution came out for, as you mentioned, um, James Davison there. Uh, and um, the 77, Reed Sorensen was in that, and Austin Dillon was too. Uh, on lap 408 was when the caution came out um, and really put a couple of leaders, Chase Elliott, one of the guys, uh, Joey Logano as well, a couple of laps down, they were able to wave around and, and get one of their laps back, but they're never able to really get uh, their full two laps back, which is what they normally would. You lose two laps on a, on a green flag run. So that really put this race sort of flipped it upside down and, and put some of these guys who really needed a solid day uh, Ryan Blaney wasn't horrible, but he, he was in that boat. Austin Dillon as well, uh, Joe Logano as well, um, and, and Matthew Benedetto, who 
you know, kind of got a lucky break on that, was, was running in the top 10 before he had tire issues that relegated him uh, to a 19th place finish. But that's really what changes this race a lot, Philip. Not for the leaders per se, but a couple of guys, you know, Chase Elliott, uh, Joey Logano, you know, had worse finishes because they, they got caught a couple of laps down there on that caution. Yeah, that was the uh, a real, I mean, that was a turning point in the end because it, when you consider only six cars finished on the lead lap, it bailed out Clint Boyer uh, in a, in a sense, uh, the, the 10 car also, neither car was like setting the world on fire by any stretch. They were not doing anything amazing, but they were on the better end of that. They hadn't made their pit stop. Tyler Reddick gets a top five finish because of that. Eric Jones uh, also got penalized, sent, to tailback, as Rusty loves to say, and he, in the very nice-looking auto owner's car, maybe Martin Truex and that team would actually run that scheme. Uh, that would be an, a nice one because he doesn't really run good paint schemes. But that's beside the point. Eric Jones went and ran from the back, and he benefited from that deal as well. But in turn, you you had Joey Logano who ran up front. He had gotten stage points in both stages. Dylan, who was on and he was up and down, he did get stage points in stage two. But uh, that pit deal uh, messed with him. Blaney was had a lot of issues all night. Uh, they needed to win basically, and they couldn't score stage points. Di Benedetto was running well, and he actually had a fast car uh, early. And it's one of it's probably his best racetrack. But you know the typical uh, whatever's been going on since June uh, goes on with the 21 car tire problems, which really affected the Penske cars and uh, uh, specifically uh, uh, among others. But really, the Penske cars were affected greatly. Uh, with those left sides and knocked out Di Benedetto, knocked out Ryan Blaney, real disappointment for sure. But you have to go and give props to the guys that did benefit from it. I mean, Chase Elliott also got affected by that. He finished a lap down. He probably had a car that could have been in in position to win, but he was what, held a lap down. Busher, Priest, McDowell getting top tens. I mean, it's a tough race. It was definitely a tough night. Tire wear was not a big uh, factor for everybody. It was really just a factor for certain cars. But, um, yeah, definitely an interesting one. Um, uh, Harvick and Bush and the people that did benefit from that pit sequence when uh, Davison went and uh, knocked the wall down with his uh, bad year tire failure. Yeah, it was an interesting race because of that reason. I like the fact that, you know, you talk about the Penske cars. They were uh, better on shorter runs than they were on longer runs, and that made it interesting. But, you know, the real storyline of the race to me, uh, Spencer Cowan, was what Philip kind of touched on a little bit earlier in his uh, analysis was that, you know, Matthew Benedetto, Ryan Blaney, William Byron, and Cole Custer all were not able to advance into the round of 12 uh, as this was an elimination race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, what do you think of those guys? And, and you know, obviously, Brian Blaney, um, a, 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 another tough year for him. You know, Matt Benedetto, who 
that 21 car hasn't made, hasn't made the playoffs under, with Paul Menard. So for him to get in the playoffs was a good deal, but he really struggled at the end of the year. William Byron won Daytona, but another kind of eh year for him and Cole Custer sort of playing, in my opinion, with house money there as he was a rookie, won his race, gone into the playoffs. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, the, on a Final Four there, on a four that got eliminated, I should say, um, at Bristol Motor Speedway? Yeah, I mean, I had two of those getting eliminated anyway. Um, Cole Custer for one, you know, that was kind of a – I don't want to say fluke win and kind of tick people off, but um, he didn't have the car to win that race, you know. So um, don't get me wrong. He was in the right place, right time, made it three wide, drove and won the race. Congratulations. But the year he has had is, yeah. Um, And then I had Matty D getting eliminated. And no offense to Matty D, you know, Clayton, you know, I have family that works for the Wood Brothers. And uh, Matty D is a great race car driver. He's a fan favorite in sport. but I just didn't see them advancing into the round of 12. So two of those, you know, the 41 and the 21, I had written off after this round anyways. As far as Blaney, I had him written off after that penalty that they received um, just because that's so hard to come up. I mean, he dropped, like, a ton of spots, spots that you can't afford to lose in the playoffs after that penalty. And the tracks we were going to aren't his favorite. Um and they've kind of they've kind of fell off, you know, right before they got that penalty, anyways. So um, I knew it was going to be tough for them to get out of the hole. Um, but if you would ask me a week before the playoffs started, hey, is Blaney going to make it to the round of 12? Absolutely, I'd have betted a lot of money on it, um, just because it's Ryan Blaney, Team Penske. But after the penalty, that really hurt them. Um, so that's a shocker. And then William Byron, as you just mentioned, he's had a okay year. Yeah, you won Daytona, um, but he hasn't been like a, a thrill. He hasn't, he hasn't thrilled me, um, you know, in that car really since he's gotten into the 24. I don't see anything he's done spectacular. Um, you know, he's not really competing for wins on, on a week, uh, week, weekly basis. So he's had a, a decent year and, you know, he, you know, the guys who got eliminated didn't perform in the round of 12. Matty D didn't perform. Ryan Blaney didn't. Cole Custer nor William Byron. Neither one of them had a first round. Um, and the guys that were below the cut line entering it got eliminated. And you have to perform in the playoffs. And, unfortunately, they didn't. So, um, they are still got races to win. But, unfortunately, the end, they're, um, to hoist that trophy at Phoenix has come to an end. Not with- if you that's them to call here tonight and talk in circles. If you want to discuss anything you at uh, Bristol or any of the news you heard tonight uh, at Bristol Motor Speed uh, from from NASCAR, uh, we also had uh, an Xfinity Series race at Bristol Motor Speedway this past weekend, Philip, and it was a it was a good race. I mean, it was a, another good short track race, um, but it was Chase Briscoe going to victory lane. Ross Chastain just wasn't able to close the deal at the end. Uh, also, since the third. Harrison Burton fourth and Justin Ongar probably had the fastest car, but was, lost his track position at the end. Was never really able to get it. He finished fifth. Then it was Anthony Alfredo, Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, Jeff Burton, and Riley Herbst the top ten. What stood out to you, Philip? And we'll get to the playoff drivers because now that their regular season has ended. But what what really stood out to you uh, as far as the Xfinity Series race from uh, Bristol Motor Speedway this past weekend? Yeah, you have to go and talk about 
uh, Justin Allgaier. I mean, he, he led the most laps, won both stages, uh, lost, as you said, he lost that track position late, had uh tire fall off. It looked like Sindrick had put himself in position to get another win uh, to, for the people that love him and think all of a sudden he's a great driver all of a sudden because he's put a half a year together. Uh, but the power steering went, which was a precursor to what happened to Bradley on Saturday, uh, which was the reason why his buddy Chase went and uh, gave him a little nudge. Uh, Sindrick was crying wolf about it at Daytona, but then he was he ended up winning. This time he couldn't say anything because he had no power steering, and Chase was faster than there in that last run. Uh, big, uh, big deal for that team after what, you could basically say was a complete disaster uh, at at Richmond. They were completely off. Uh, they look like that was the worst that that team has looked all year in that basically 24-hour period uh, in those two races at Richmond. And then they come back here. They probably had a top best case. They ran third in both stages. They had a top five car for sure. They utilize strategy, a little bit of strategy. They utilize the guts and whatever that Chase has and timing and good uh, position to go and get that win and take a uh, and tie with Austin Sindrick in points going into the playoffs starting this weekend at Las Vegas, which is a big deal. Uh, and those playoff points are going to be huge for both of them. Uh, moving towards, uh, they'll get through round one uh, for sure. Uh, but they'll, but as they get to round two, and having to get through that, uh, it'll be interesting to see. But a uh, big deal for Briscoe, Chastain's consistency is going to play well for him. Harrison Burton uh, showing up uh, for once uh, is actually a good thing for them and Joe Gibbs Racing and their prospects for uh, a possibility of a championship here in 2020. 11 to 12 playoff drivers, as we know, the regular season ended all three series now in their playoffs. Uh, Xfinity starts their playoffs this weekend with a round of 12. Las Vegas, Talladega, Charlotte for them. Uh, it's Chase Briscoe, Austin Cedric, Justin Allgaier, Noah Gregson, Brandon Jones, Justin Haley, Harrison Burton, Ross Chastain, Ryan Sieg, Michael Annette, Riley Herbst, and Brandon Brown secured the final playoff spot. A nice job by that 86 team, uh, even though he really was sort of, you know, in that spot all year. Uh, who who do you think, Philip? Uh, sorry, Spencer. Uh, who do you think is the favorite to win this championship in the Xfinity Series? Do you have a dark horse uh, pick for the championship in the Xfinity Series? Favorite would probably be Briscoe. And you, you can sit there and argue and say this to me too, but I think Frisco is—I don't know—something about. It. I think he—he's got it. You know, he's—he's he's very humble. And I'm not saying Austin, Cedric ain't, but something's just telling me that that 98 will hoist that trophy at the end of the year. And as far as a dark horse, dark horse, I think you would have to put Ross there. Um, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a fan of Ross, but he hasn't won this year, but he's just been so damn close to getting, you know, he could easily have three wins here in the last two months. Um, but, you know, with him having no wins this year and just being so consistent here recent, uh, recently, I think you'd have to consider him as a dark horse. I think if they get there, um, 
you know, that colleague, Chris Rice, Matt Colleague team, Ross, the whole ten crew, they'll have something up their sleeve and will gamble and do and they're fast. I mean, they got good race cars, so um, I think he would have to be considered a dark horse because he's just not there with the, the 22 and the 98. Um, so the 10 will probably be my dark horse. How about you, Phil? I think can win this championship, and who's your dark horse to win it for the Xfinity Series? I mean, putting personal bias aside, I do agree with, uh, with Spencer on who I've think is is a favorite and who I'd like to see win this championship. Of course you can't you can you cannot there's no selling no selling the twenty two and the seven is definitely dangerous. Um I personally believe Chase is gonna have to beat Justin Allgaier because of being a veteran, he's the new Elliot Sadler in the Xfinity series and he's been there forever that team has a lot of momentum. He's running really well. He's never won this championship. At some point, you would think that that tide turns for for uh, Justin Allgaier. I mean, he's not going to be running cup. I mean, there's a very small opportunity that he might have been moving up again, but uh, it seems like based on something that is posted uh, that uh, somebody else will be coming back to cup series. But in terms of a dark horse, I mentioned Harrison. Um, I think he's the best. He hasn't won the most races, of course. Bruckshot has uh, in the 19, and Kansas is there, and that's one of his best racetracks. Talladega's out there. But Harrison Burton's the best overall talent of, I mean, considering Riley Herbst is one of the drivers. I mean, that's – but I think Harrison's the one guy, if they really can get everything together and get on a little run, they make it to Phoenix, you never know. Gibbs has always been good in this since the repave and the redesign and all that at Phoenix. Uh, that's an opportunity there to kind of back into it. Uh, that personally, I think Harrison Burton, he's not been consistent, been a rookie, definitely shown – uh, signs of inexperience, but maybe he puts it together in this playoff after missing the playoff in the truck series last year. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how Harrison Burton performs and, and really who those four guys are in the Xfinity Series because you've seen some nice runs uh, in the Xfinity Series for some drivers. You know, Bill Gregson comes to mind. Um, he's had some speed at times. Harrison Burton's had some speed at times. Brandon Jones has some speed at times. But and, and then you have the Cindrics and the, the Briscoes and the Chastains of the world and Justin Allgaier, who have really recently picked it up. So it's going to be interesting to see if these teams can figure it out um, as, the, as the playoffs go on and who's going to be running for the championship for sure. 917-889-8280. The Truck Series also ran at Bristol Motor Speedway and a very interesting winner. You know, Philip, it made me feel so old when I thought about that I was um, – graduated from eighth grade when this kid was born sam mayer 17 years old going out and winning the truck series race at bristol motor speedway and then the, to to just for good measure goes out and wins the arca race as well and you can swallow the arca race a little bit because you expect young kids in that race but when i saw that kid was born in 2003 i was like oh my goodness gracious uh <laughs> to go out and beat brett moffitt tana gray parker Kligerman had a nice night and then trevor bain was fifth before he got penalized and disqualified but 
What were your thoughts on the truck race, and how about Sam Mayer there, Philip, uh, winning that race? Um, a big night for him for sure. Yeah, it was a good night. It definitely a great night for Sam Mayer and that whole entire family. When you're telling me he was born when I graduated high school, it just makes me feel really uh, it, it goes and emphasizes the white hairs that I have, uh, amongst other problems and old age that I seemingly feel. Uh, it's sad, but the, guy, the kid can drive. Uh, considering his dad was basically a fail as an IRL driver and that this he can drive this good is something. He's been showing this. He's very aggressive. He has, he really, he has the don't give a bleep kind of way about him. And he was in a position to win a gateway a few weeks ago and put in the fence. He's going to be in this truck. I, I assume they ate everything. He'll finally be in a truck full time with GMS next year. And he's going to be a problem. Uh, everywhere he's run, he's, he's, he's won and he wins with, with regularity is uh, a defending K&N East champion. He got into it with a couple of guys in that series. Uh, he's not going to be somebody that's going to make a lot of friends. He's very aggressive in that sense. Uh, a little daddy's money deal, but a kid can drive. He wins. And to go and, and beat these truck series regulars in a, in the playoff deal in the first, uh, first race of the playoffs is is big because that's points lost for them uh, and points opportunities. Uh, it didn't really affect anything in terms of for Austin Hill, it was a huge um, night in terms of losing points, uh, putting himself right around the cut line with uh, Eckes and Todd Gilliland. But uh, big, uh, big props to Sam Mayer getting that first win. Uh, GMS continues to dominate. The big teams have uh, the two big teams in this truck series have definitely emphasized uh, put themselves right in the front uh, of this deal. Uh, a couple of other good performances for for teams and drivers that aren't up there every single week as well. But GMS won two, and uh, you know more of the same of what we've seen. Uh, this last few months since uh, we returned from uh, the COVID break. Yeah, really well. And really, like I said, GMS and, uh, you know, uh, Thorsport has really been the, the teams that are to be in the truck series. And it was like that again on, on, uh, on I guess it was Thursday night for the truck series. Um, Spencer, how about you? Anything stand out for the truck series? You know, obviously young kid winning, guy younger than you winning, which is hard to believe. Uh, in the truck series race, but anything really stand out to you as far as the truck series was concerned at Bristol Motor Speedway? Uh, nothing too much. Yeah, he's like four years younger than me. It's crazy to think that. Um, every time a guy that wins is younger than me, I sit there and think, like, man, like, if I was him four years ago, I would have a truck win. It's just crazy that the kids are so young um, these days, and He's a hell of a race car driver, you know. He's good enough. I don't think I don't think I heard one of you guys mention he'll be driving for Junior Motorsports the second half of the year. So I mean, he's done his job. Um, you know, I hope he he hasn't, you know, like Zane Smith skipped trucks and went to juniors and he tore up a little bit of stuff. So um, 
but, you know, that's part of business. If he brings money, you know, put him in the seat, and that's just how the sports come. And, and But he has talent, obviously. I mean, he wins in the Arca Series. It seems like every weekend him and Ty Gibbs are putting on a hell of a year over there in that series. And um, so, yeah, I mean, for him to go out and win all those Arca races and come in and, you know, beat Brett Moffitt, you know, a champion in the, uh, the Truck Series, wins, you know, a decent amount of races, um, that's that's big. So, you know, that momentum can help him on the Arca side. So, um, you know, and then him going to juniors, you know, we don't know the sponsor yet or anything like that. So, um, so we'll see him in the Xfinity series. And if he can prove there, well, then, you know, he has a bright future ahead of him. For sure. And, uh, it was a fun race again at Bristol. Bristol never really disappoints, especially with the truck series. Uh, Philip mentioned about how we kind of saw guys who don't really normally run up front and give Parker Clickman credit, you know, uh, I feel like every time he hops into that 75 truck, he's very competitive in it. He's only run six races this year. He's got three top tens, you know, and uh, he was running really good at Dover before his engine pulled out. But, you know, they've really picked up performance here, especially recently in that 75 truck. uh, One of those smaller teams, Charlie Henderson's been around forever in this sport. Chris Carrier, the crew chief's been around forever in this sport as well. So uh, give Parker Clickman some credit on a a really solid run. Came 35th to finish fourth. Good job by that team. Uh, there on Thursday night as well. Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. Uh, it is a weekend that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, you have the Trucks Xfinity and Cup, of course, triple header weekend. Trucks in their second race of the round of 10. Uh, Cup in their first race of the round of 12. And Xfinity in their first playoff race. A little confusing there for sure. Why Why would it be all symmetrical? That would make too much sense. Um, but how about you, Philip? Who do you got winning this Cup Series race uh, on Sunday? Can't hear you, Philip, if you're talking. Oh, sorry about that. I decided to mute my mute myself for sound. Um, used to doing that, and I just forget uh, technology. But I was saying about um, probably make some people happy to listen to this show, so whatever. Uh <laughs> But in terms of they're, they're putting emphasis on this race uh, uh, because of having Talladega, Charlotte, Roval coming along, it, this is going to be a big deal for anybody to go and get this win and be safe. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just going to go chalk, and I'm, uh, I'm going to pick Kevin Harvick. It's, it's easy. Uh, I would have picked Kyle Busch. I, I think Kyle Busch is a good pick because. He's angry, and when he drives angry, I think he drives better. Uh, I mean, he's always angry, but it's like he's really angry now, and he doesn't have anywhere else to go and win against junior drivers. So, But I do think Kevin Harvick gets this win um, and blocks himself into the next round and continues this chase to possibly go and uh, be a Phoenix with a real shot to get another Get, finally get that second championship. Yeah, that's a great pick. Harvick at this point. You can pick him anywhere at any time right now, and he, he's going to be a good pick because he's just been that good all year. That team is just – there's not really anything you can throw out of him, in my opinion, that would uh, change just how they perform. They're that good. How about you, Spencer? Um, Cup Series, and then give me your Xfinity Series pick as well before we get Phil's Xfinity pick. Um, probably going to have to go with either Ross Chastain, um, 
at Las Vegas. And then um, for the cup pick, I'll probably have to go with the 19 or the 11. Not a bad Swix uh, for sure. It's certainly been a, a solid uh, guy there on um, mile and a half in the past. How about you for Xfinity and then the truck pick, Philip, uh, if you can? Um, Xfinity race winner and then the trucks. For Xfinity, uh, I, I'm i going to go and pick Sindrick because he's been become this, like, one-and-a-half-mile track master all of a sudden, which is convenient since he's going to get the 21 car next year um, somehow. Uh, in terms of the truck series race, that's definitely uh, a little more – intriguing a little more interesting i know there's some drivers that will definitely cause cautions uh driving this week but i i do believe that uh, i think brett moffitt finally goes and gets that win uh he's running basically unsponsored this week but again but i think brett moffitt finally gets that first win of the year um he's been due um it's a spot for him at a track where trucks are able to draft and do the whole bit. I think Brett Moffitt goes and gets win number one of 2020. So Brett Moffitt's going to have to win. Final pick, Spencer, before we end tonight, uh, truck series pick for you, Spencer. Uh, I'm going to go with Zane Smith or the 38 of Todd Gillen. I think the 38 of Todd, he had one bad weekend. And then, but he's really came on strong in that car with front row and DGR Crosley Alliance, and uh, they've been pretty solid. So um, I'd really like to see him winning that truck. So I'll go with the 21 and 38. Yeah, that that would be an awesome win for Todd, and uh, he's had a much better year. And, and it's just wonder right now. You're wondering where's KPM? They haven't been anywhere close. And uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if not only one but both KPM drivers are going to be on that. Uh, the cusp of getting knocked out of the playoffs here. And uh, we'll see. You know, it's going to be very interesting. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles. I know we kind of hit a lot of news and had a lot of, of, of insight here for you, especially with the um, Bubba Wallace deal that broke literally five minutes before we went on air here. So uh, good job by everybody um, on the show tonight. And we'll see you next time here on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly Auto Parts